0: So much for listening to Cabin Devils. See, when we talk about grief, one of the first verses that may come to mind is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 that says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now, many commentators have pointed out that this verse does not prohibit us from grieving, but to grieve like those with hope. And that is true. But how? How in times when we cannot be with friends to grieve with? This time, we're also talking about a teacher that has to comfort a student that has lost a parent, a doctor that has lost a patient, a boss losing a co-worker. These third parties suffer with grief too. They're supposed to help but are in equal pain. We were having a discussion earlier on concerning our topic, and honestly, I want to, first of all, remind the, the listeners that today is going to be action-packed. We're not going to be able to answer all the questions, I can be honest with you. But uh, in talking to Mr. Peter uh, earlier on, he did agree uh, to be with us again for part two and part three of our topic today concerning grief. I do have friends whose family members did not survive, who lost loved ones. Um, Very, very painful uh, moments. And it's difficult. I can be honest with you, it's very, very difficult. One of the things I I can tell you right now that I don't even know how to comfort someone who has lost a friend or a relative. I really don't know. And I think that's why we have Mr. Peter O'Dang. I do have more questions uh, than answers. And I pray that each one of us will find some answers from the scriptures. But I'm going to skip the first question I was supposed to ask. I was supposed to ask him to share with us any moments in his life where he had a major loss. I will skip that part and move on to the next question, uh, which is really if he has ever made any mistakes when it comes to grief. Um, When we were speaking, he gave an example. And he said, well, if you're comforting a 13-year-old, about the loss of a parent. You cannot tell him now you are a man. Why? Because he's still still a boy. And that really stuck with me. I think partly because I lost my dad when I was 10. And uh, not that anyone told me to be a man at that point, but it can be a challenge. But Mr. Peter, what are some of the mistakes we make as believers or as we try to encourage someone uh, in the process of grief? Would you like to share with us something Yes, before we get started
1: yeah um, th- that could be one of them when uh, you are uh, this grieving uh, of the mom and uh, because you're the first born you you tell you tell the kid man up be strong uh, suck it up mm. stop crying uh, you y- you are now a man and it's, y- you need to compose yourself together Uh, you you are totally messing up the theology of that kid and understanding what mourning is important and how we could handle it. And uh, Christians are also the worst because you you tell such a kid, 12 years, 13, you know you loved your dad, but God loved him more. So you mess their theology about Mm. God. How can a loving God take my dad? And so... uh, uh, those are things uh, that we should not say, but sometimes we think we are saying the right things. Um, and uh, what scenario when you tell someone, it looks like is you tell them, uh, I know how you're feeling. Mm. No, you don't. You don't. You cannot use your situation to be a case study for someone else. People grieve differently. People feel mm. differently.
0: Well, um, I want to ask my next question. I know we never got to the to the bottom of it. Even when we were speaking mm. earlier on, it's going to be quite difficult because I mm. think at some point both of us could not find an answer. But again, uh-huh. my job is to ask the difficult questions, and then it's, the, it's the, the 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 job of the speaker to wrestle with these things. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's a disclaimer right there. I'm not helping you with it. But when you talked about, um being quiet and and just showing up. It's true, that is important. But the times we are living in, at least here in Uganda, it is not possible to always show up. It's just not possible. And one of the painful, and I've seen some people write uh, obituaries on Facebook, one of the most painful things is I was not there. I was not there. And you can't be there. The district is locked you have been told that this has been restricted to only close family members and you cannot be there. And it's true, we have the phone, we can make calls, but one of the things, a person who is grieving, they are not going to pick up because there's multiple, multiple phone calls. You just cannot be there. Um, Mr. Peter, what do we do when we can't be there, Genuinely cannot be there? Do we wait until, time has passed because that is going to cause extra anger as well and uh, it may be a sign of I'm not concerned and I know it is too much to take in but it's also difficult. Is there any advice you can give? What have we been able uh, to do? Because uh, I know this has happened even in Kenya. Yeah,
1: I remember there's a, a weekend that uh, in our church we had three deaths and all the burials are going to be the same day and there's no way we could live on Sunday. We could leave and not be back uh, for Sunday. So literally, the government has restrictions. The government would prefer the closer family. And the time that is given, it it was not travel. All of them were in different places. So it's not possible. And I think those are the times the best you can do is just to pray. Grieving is a process. It does not end... (laughs) once you've laid the pastor to the grave uh, actually that's when it starts when the music fades when the curtains are closed when the visitors leave that's when it hits real hard and it hits home and so that's even a time that people need us more everybody's around them and uh
0: I like the fact that we are turning to God when we're helpless. And when you mentioned and said, we pray, we pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, only God can can bring that comfort. Only the truth of God's word can bring that comfort in, uh, in, the, person's, in the person's heart. Father in heaven, thank you um, for our time together. We know that uh, at least we know someone, uh, if not ourselves, who are going through the pain of losing a friend, of losing a family member. And we want to pray that tonight we'll try at least and dig up some answers from your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to our hearts today and uh, just encourage us and comfort us that in the same way we may comfort uh, those who uh, may need to be comforted. We pray that if there be any one of us here who may not know you your Savior, that they will have that living hope that has been sung in this particular song, uh, that they'll be assured of the resurrection. And so we want to commit our time before you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Peter, you're welcome.
1: Amen. Amen. Good evening all and thank you for joining. Um, we'll be looking at grief and uh, that's the discussion we've been having with uh, David. Thank you for all that you're doing with the cabin devotions and an encouragement that you are to many First Thessalonians 4 13, the Bible says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The Bible seemed to indicate that uh, we will sorrow. Because it says, "List you sorrow as the others who have no hope." Maybe a good place to start is: Have you ever been disappointed with God? Have you ever been there? God never came through for you at a time you needed him most. I'm talking about you as a Christian, and uh, you secretly struggle, you silently struggle and you know that your relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be. 11 years ago, in a span of three months, I lost my sister who was fighting multiple myeloma, a rare blood cancer. And three months after that, my elder brother was a drunkard, took his own life. I wrestled with God. I couldn't pray. I couldn't eat eat sometimes. I went for long days and God seemed to be so distant. Your biggest fear in such moments is uh, you cannot go public because you will be considered unspiritual. So you silently doubt, silently are mad with God and you just don't know what to do. And let me apologize on behalf of the church, at least the church in Africa, we teach so much about joy, hope, but we forget teaching about handling sorrow. Yeah, the Bible here is a bit categorical, it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant about what it says, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, meaning that people are going to die, people people falling asleep here means saints will go to heaven. And then it adds, lest you sorrow, lest you grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. What an assurance. But the reality, friends, is we are not yet in heaven. We are still in this world. And as a leader, this is something I learned because as a spiritual leader in my family, everybody expected me to be strong and, of course, spiritual. But this is one of the things that I learned. Most vulnerable people in dealing with the process of grief are those who are helping others to grieve let me repeat that again most vulnerable people in dealing with the process of grief are those who are helping other people to grief a parent who has lost a husband a single mother who's helping a child to cope with the grief a teacher being strong for a whole class because A student in that same class just died. A doctor losing a patient after convincing the family that the patient is out of danger and it's going to be well. A leader in the post COVID generation trying to play macho man, telling your employees all is well yet every day things are getting worse. The tension to connect people in pain and protecting yourself at the same time is not only hard, but very, very complex. And I have had those moments, are times I was, we, we were not doing well with the Lord. But that quickened me to study more on grief. And, and t- today for this first part, I just want us just to attempt and, uh, and define grief. What is grief? I submit to us that grief is an emotional response to loss. Emotional response to loss. And I submit to you from what I've learned that if you don't handle your grief, it will handle you yes we are saved but salvation doesn't warrant elevation from grief we all grieve when we lose something it hurts and it hurts bad our grief as believers in christ should be different that's the admonition we're getting from first thessalonians 13. but because you're attempting to define grief three points for your consideration about grief and lessons I've learned along the way. Number one, grief is the evidence of how significant the relationship was. Grief is the evidence of how significant the relationship was. If you lose something or someone or something dear, there will be grief. You will think about them. You will cry. Sometimes the memories will make you even laugh. Do you remember the story of Jesus and Lazarus? Now, I want you to know that uh, Jesus had told his disciples, I will raise Lazarus. He said that. If you read that chapter in verse 4, he says that. But he goes back to see Mary and Martha weeping, And Bible records in that chapter, chapter 11, verse 5, Jesus wept. The other word, he groaned, he wailed, he broke down and grieved. Why? The reason that happened is because of how significant the relationship was. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, hey, Mary Martha, hey, keep quiet, watch this. I am the resurrection, but no, he grieved the loss. Grief and joy are both rooted in love, and the only way Jesus could express it is Jesus wept. I submit to us that the deeper the pain, the lesser the words. Jesus did not go around beating above the bush. We don't hear him even talking too much but the Bible just records, Jesus wept. And that's a full sentence. So grief is the evidence of how significant the relationship was. Secondly, it is okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay. It is okay for you to cry, it is okay for you to hide, it is okay for you, it is okay. You know why? Grief is a tool that provides us with the license to feel. To feel what? To feel mad, to feel glad, to feel sad, to feel afraid, to feel loved. Naturally, when people are grieving, we've been conditioned to suppress the feelings because it hurts too much. Don't try to cushion grief by acting as if you have it all together. Listen to me, it is okay to be okay. In Kenya, we have what we call professional mourners. Those are fake guys. They just come to eat food and, and wail. And, and after some time, they, they're even laughing. But if you, the relationship was significant, you will cry. And I submit to us, it is okay not to be okay. Death is not the only grief, job loss, retrenchment after the pandemic, fear of the uncertainty of COVID-19, fear of failure, betrayal by friends, broken relationships, chronic illness, separation, divorce, moving to a new neighborhood, going abroad. All this will cause you to grieve. And I submit to us, it is okay not to be okay. Life on this side of the world is not perfect. The most damaging thing about loss is when there is no closure. And unfortunately, we are there most of the time. And as pastors and counselors, we don't ask, how are you doing? Instead, we ask, how are you feeling? Because feeling will quicken us to understand exactly where you are. But just listen to me. It is okay not to be okay. Third thing that is important for us to learn is that there are no wrong feelings in grieving. How we respond to the feelings is a different story but there are no wrong feelings in grieving. Example, you're driving and someone cuts on you, it makes you mad and annoyed, you express it. If you're numb to grieve, you can't experience love and acceptance and encouragement and support. We need to know how you're doing. It is okay not to be okay. Our culture and the church going Christians have very unrealistic expectations over those who are grieving, and especially in the family of God. We started by saying that uh, you you telling a 13-year-old kid stop crying because you're a man, that's wrong. And never tell anyone you have grieved too long, you need to move on. Interesting, medical experts tell us It actually takes 18 to 24 months before the healing process begins. Before the healing process begins. So we make a big mistake to think that grieving is like a graduation from kindergarten to class one. It's a process. In grief, you can experience both anger, denial, acceptance, depression, and peace at the same time. That's how complex grief can be. Grief cannot be fixed. It's invisible. Be compassionate to yourself. Remember, I said people who are most vulnerable are those who are helping others through grief. Grief affects every part of us. At the same time, now this is deep, emotionally, spiritually, socially, physically, psychologically, mentally. And the hardest part of grief is after the loss. A few years ago when mobile phones were just coming out, I had a phone and all the, my, all the games for my daughter were on my phone. And one day as after she had played, she was reaching out to take it back to the shelf, and my phone fell down and cracked. It really disturbed her. And the reason I knew it disturbed her, very early in the morning, she came, woke me up, and showed me what had happened. I told her, I'll fix it. But I didn't have money. When I came back the following day, the first thing she reached out is, where is the phone? And I showed her the phone. I had not fixed it. So what happened is the following morning, I woke up going for a bathroom break and I found her seated in the living room. And she was trying to smoothen the screen in a way that she's trying to fix it. And guess what, it hit me, she's mourning the loss. She believes she's been part, she's added to the loss and the breaking of the phone. And so I figured unless I help fix it, no one will, is going, she's not going to have the peace. And have you noted that sometimes we mourn, we comfort everybody, we forget about the kids? And that's very significant. Grief hurts and affects us differently. You cannot look at someone and use his or her situation for your case study. No, that cannot work. It affects us differently. Can you imagine that phone really affected her? And it took the spirit of God to quicken me to notice, hey, Peter, you need to do something. She's grieving the loss. And having said that, what is the take home for tonight? What are the three things after defining grief? What what do I want you to leave and go home with? Number one, God allows loss and expects us to rest in his hands. God allows loss, but still expects us to rest in his hands. Job thirteen fifteen. even though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will depend my own ways before him. Job was grieving. But he was bold enough to say, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Secondly, Hebrews 3, five, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. Our biggest consolation when we are grieving is God. God, and secondly, people. That means church family, not isolation. You cannot isolate yourself and think that you're going to heal. The biggest myth, the biggest misnomer is time heals. The truth is that time doesn't heal anything. It's what you do with time. But the Bible here says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. In moments of grief, our biggest consolation is God and God's people. God's people is his family. We need that support. Are you grieving during this trying time of the pandemic? Are you grieving or have you been suppressing loss? Have you been trying to play strong? Some four suggestions for anyone going through grief. And it's dear D-E-E-R. Number one, D, drink. Drink now. Disclaimer, drink water. In other words, hydrate yourself. Make sure you take good intake of water. The second one is eat, because it's E, eat. There is a very good proverb in my mother tongue, a proverb, which says, whatever happens, eat first. I like the proverb, meaning, even for us who are grieving one morning, take care of your health by eating. Number three, so it's drink, eat, and then exercise. Exercise, workout, take a walk, go to the gym, cycle like I do, do something. You know why? If you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness. If you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness. And then R stands for rest. Rest, meaning drink, eat, exercise, and rest. Are you grieving? Drink, eat, exercise, and rest. And when you've done the four, repeat. Drink, eat, exercise, and rest. May God bless us as we trust God for the next session. And the next session we'll be looking at the verse in the Bible, in Matthew, that says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the title will be, like, seriously? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we'll get a bit deeper and see what the Lord has to say for us. Father, this is your very word and i pray now lord for all who are listening that it will not just be another session stand true to your word and cause your word to be alive in their hearts cause your word to mean something in their lives and i pray now that you go before them i pray that uh, you have your way in their lives and more importantly You show yourself faithful and I pray for peace for those who are mourning. I pray for healing for those who are down and I pray your hand in all that they're doing. For this we ask, trusting and believing in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, and thank you so much, uh, Mr. Peter Odanga, for just encouraging us today. And I know some of the recommendations that were mentioned there with the acronym DIA uh, must have gotten us thinking about several things. But the passage I just posted for you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the chat is one from First Kings chapter 19. I found it fascinating um, the first time I got uh, the connection between the two. If you look at verse 1, it says, I have told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life, and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord, take my life. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Hmm. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And it's important for us to understand that there's so much the angel would have told Elijah at that point. Maybe encouraged him and said, "Hey, look here, the Lord loves you, and God is going to make you victorious." But he said, "You guy, get up, eat, drink, and it's important. It is important uh, for us to uh, to do that." One of the things you did mention or implied is that uh, in grief we do have the permission to feel anything, and uh, I would like to ask a question here: that Is it possible? for us to sin as we grieve? Uh, One of the possible sins I can think about uh, right now is maybe blaming God for the situation or being angry that it's so-and-so, so-and-so's fault, uh, that you're feeling that way. Is there a possibility um, of us sinning in grief? What are some of the things we should watch out for, especially when we are the ones who have lost someone?
1: It's a good question. Yes, I did say that uh, there are no wrong feelings in grieving, but how we respond to the feelings is a different story. Um, and uh, I don't think we—it is—it is a sin to wrestle with God. We see it repeatedly in the Bible. Even Job said, "If if if I had power, I'd put you." the dock in the i and put you in the courtroom and and we see how bitter he was we see jacob wrestling with god uh we see jonah (laughs) saying i'm not going i'll take a different direction and he even cries later on lord i knew you were going to deliver these people i knew we see these moments and god actually laughed at us but when we when we deal with it in a negative way. I don't think it honors God. When it turns to be seen, uh, that does not necessarily honor God. We, 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 we have the spirit of God in us. And so there has to be, we have to be careful going through the extremes.
0: Hmm. Okay. And I think that's wisdom that will come to us uh, at that point We have to be careful not to go through to the extremes. Two more questions here. One, I think, is from Mr. Guitar John, and he's asking, how should I respond to the one older than, I think he meant to say older than me, when he or she is grieving and I'm the only one there? This is a point, I think, I don't know if you identify with this, Mr. Peter, because people look at you in society as the elder. But imagine a younger man trying to comfort you, you know, how should we respond if uh, the person trying to comfort is young I mean way older than you
1: uh, grief has no age, <laughs> and it's interesting sometimes people who will be your biggest comfort are uh, even younger than you um, I think it's you David you are talking today and you you gave a very good uh, illustration to cover this. Uh, you say to me, your are, you are mom, when you reached, you were able to reach to her. Uh, she was happy that you had come, and she told people, now she's OK because you are there. Y- you are a big consolation. She's more elderly than you, but your presence, that's the word, your presence, and what you, you are able to do, uh, it it changes everything, and that's why uh, I insist when we are around people who are grieving, it is not what we say. It's a ministry of presence that makes the difference.
0: Mm. It's a ministry of presence. And uh, mm-hmm. that kind of answers some of the questions, part of the question that uh, our team is asking. He says, thank you so much. How does a vulnerable person help out those grieving without having to be pushy? and saying the wrong words and also not keeping silent and not helping. I think Mr. Tim is afraid that in keeping quiet or keeping silent, you're not helping. Um, And of course, I want to identify with uh, Mr. Tim right there, Um, Mm -hmm. that in keeping quiet, you personally feel helpless. You feel like you're not doing much. And uh, what I usually do when I go to funerals, i ask for things to be done is there a firewood to be carried or chopped can we start a fire you want to be busy because men are naturally designed to do something about the situation like
1: how does a vulnerable person help out those grieving without having to be pushy and saying the wrong words and also Mm -hmm. not keeping silent and not helping the, 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 I, I insist because when you are helping people who are grieving, uh, you you understand what they are going through, and some mm. who are grieving could even hurt themselves, especially when uh, they've received a bad bad news. Uh, mm. And so it's you you're there to help them not to go to those extremes, but you're there mm. to help give them anything that they need. Uh, I repeat, sometimes what we say. Uh, they never They never hear what we say. Okay, it's, it's sometimes it's important, and even pray with them. That's good. But sometimes we, we they don't. I, two, about I think a month ago, we received a phone call that a young man had uh, gotten an automobile accident. He he fell on the road and uh, mm. crashed his head, and he died. And so me and the sister went to wake up the dad at night and expressed this to the dad. And immediately we did. The dad was in denial, and guess what he did? He woke up, dressed up, and started running. Now, our fear yes. was he was going to hurt him. Yes, he's not a night runner, but he started running.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: so, so honestly, he said that it was going to hurt. But the moment we were able to, got to get hold of him, we prayed, and I told him, you must control yourself. You must be there for your kids and we need you this time more than any other time and we are going with you to the hospital. Then he calmed down. So there is no there is no good way to break bad news. And when people mm-hmm. are grieving, especially when it's fresh, the ministry of presence is all all you need. I cannot tell you this is the formula because it's different for different people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey. It's uh, okay, now you're you're bringing in issues even way before uh, the grieving starts. And uh, I'm glad we have part two and part three. I have a friend here. His name is JP, very good friend. We do share some fellowships together concerning eating. And you can tell from his question that the eating and drinking, that part he has understood. (laughs) (laughs) He said, said, I love eating and drinking and exercising. But he's saying, but how are these realistic in times of loss? He's trying to understand the rationale behind (laughs) <laughs> the yes. drinking and the eating, yeah, especially yes. when in terms for loss. Please throw more summer Light. I think I understand his question. He doesn't see right. how that helps with grief. Yeah.
1: Yes, it does because grief will not take two days. So mm-hmm. what happens if it's going to take a long, 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 long time? Are you going to stop mm-hmm. eating? Are you going to stop exercising? Are you going to to do You can't. And the, maybe the best example is for a single mother who has will you life? life cannot stop and you cannot give Mm. what you don't have so in trying to do that we we still want you to be healthy we still want you to to continue trying to be well so yes the first second day might be hard but for you to be able to to be strong to serve to even if let's say the worst of scenarios you're the one organizing your parents burial and everything you cannot mm. you cannot do all that if you are weak and you are sad and you are not eating and you are not it's not just possible. So mm. that's that's the that's the rationale behind it. Mm. We, we are saying protect yourself. there is a lady who the dad died, the mom died and the younger sister because it was HIV positive and she, she's a lady she never shed a tear. she was very strong for all of them she never and i mean she never did that and then uh she was her heating habits were not good a lot of things and then one month after the burial she goes to the hospital and uh she says i've not been well they try take many tests and then they tell her your heart has enlarged then she has what could be the possible it suppressed a lot and she was not eating right. She was not doing that. So we are saying, there's still life to continue, and uh, for you to be to serve better, you need to, to 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 move on and do something.
0: Hmm. Yep. Amen. And our last question uh, from Mr. Isaiah Kutesa. I think in I know you've hinted on this question: How long should someone grieve? But I also want to believe and. Uh, not that i'm trying to understand what he's asking but sometimes you feel like it's gone on for so long and you uh, you hoping to you you want life to go back to normal uh, but like you mentioned it's it's hard you can't it's it's impossible um to live the life again without them but i think what he's asking is how long should this go on both for one who is grieving and yeah is there a particular time when it's now abnormal and that you should be seeking extra help? Um, please, he might have joined us late. Yeah, uh, someone good, here that may die, that may need some extra answers. Yeah. You, Go ahead, Mr. Peter.
1: If you suppress grief or if you repress grief, the outcome will be depression. Suppression. Depression equals depression. Now, if you are coming out of depression, it will take forever. Uh, this is what I said, and I said this: grief could, you could have a good time, you could have a very sad time, you could have a joyful time, and that's still a process of grief. It's very complex. So, uh, depending with the nature of the loss, some things will never forget. Because that's why we talk about memorial services. And uh, sometimes you could just wake up and think of a moment you shared with the loved one and then you, it just hits you. My mother suffered a stroke uh, last year and uh, I was the one who had to go with her to hospital to, to try to get everything done. And then at one moment, it just hit me. Peter, if your sister was here, she would be the one who is here. And then I just broke down and I missed my sister. Now, does that mean I've been grieving her for a long time? No, no, not necessarily. But it's it's very hard to say this time it stops. But when it's so chronic that you wake up thinking about it and you go to sleep, you're thinking about it. During the day you think about it and it's only on the negative side. You need
0: more help. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you you can as well grow in your Devils,
1: Your number one
0: live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.